Welcome everyone to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. I have no doubt you'll find your place on the footy squad. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 413, Boom, is brought to you by Cafe de Lola. When you're staking out Spain in search of an artist with a brain tumor, don't do it on an empty stomach. Pete, before we jump on in, just want to say that as doubtless all our listeners noted this past week, the trailer for Iron Fist, the latest trailer for Iron Fist, has dropped. And uh, Pete, we of course ready to podcast that show. Can't wait to see it on Netflix uh, starting March 17th. Uh, we, of course, have uh, some episodes already up on the Iron Fist podcast by Fantastic Geek Feed. Or, if you're listening to us courtesy of the Pop Culture Podcast feed, you can go back and grab that and uh, get those Iron Fist episodes delivered as they drop. Not only did they drop the trailer, today, as we're recording, uh, Marvel has begun to put out some scenes, Matt. One Ooh. of which we went into detail uh, having seen describing uh, at New York Comic Con, so you can check out that podcast episode and uh, you know kind of get that to go along. Now that you've seen what we've seen, we've seen some more. I've seen much more. We're gonna get it all to you beginning on March seventeenth. When we catch you up on what went down, the teaser, Matt. In Caldez de Montebui, Spain, Coulson seems to be talking to himself as a waiter is clearing the table here, uh, saying some rather uh, intimate things. But uh, with a voiceover, we understand that is uh, Mac on the other end there. Uh, quickly just got to uh, know to look for it as they pass the Cafe de Lola there, as previously mentioned. They spot a woman who looks familiar, um, but at the same time, there's some uh, variation from what we've seen before. They they snap a picture, and uh, suddenly Mac explains they've got confirmation of who they're there to find, Matt, as we head to the title card, which is whom? Well, it, it looks like Ada, but it can't quite be Ada. And then you add to it, Pete, the wonderful, uh, the wonderful dramatic conceit of here she is uh, speaking English in Spain, just, you know, as you do. You go to Spain to speak English when you buy, when you buy stuff at the Cafe de Lola. Um, a little bit of an exposition-heavy scene here of course that's what the story requires um particularly as it's spelled out that this woman that they're tracking could lead them to may um but sure enough pete we have a is this a, another ada kind of sorta we're, we're we're into we're into doubles of doubles at this point ada beta who knows at this point <laughs> um the first act here we have uh radcliffe taking off the uh, goggles, uh, remarking to Ada that what uh, they, she, has built in the framework is astonishing. Uh, she has recreated 
their entire world, uh, as she notes, with slight improvements. I also like the the the, the little writerly flourish here and creatorly flourish. Um, Ada has created a world without edges because the world is round. And there's something both beautiful and creepy about that statement. The idea that, I don't know, she, she's created a trap so good that it doesn't feel like a trap. Um, Radcliffe, of course, is feeling great about all of this. And um, he kind of wanders on out uh, to, uh, to what I assume is a Superior HQ and uh, sees the superior and major hate beard to be named later. Good morning. He says, turns out it's midnight. Oops, a daisy. Yes. And the takeaway here is that Anton Ivanov has now read the dark hold. Um, and it's, it's bad, Pete. It's bad. It's bad. It's given him a simple answer. And the answer was, uh, as he stated, you, which is him, which is Radcliffe. He is the answer here. Big plans for their future together. Um, but the Inhumans and S.H.I.E.L.D. need to obviously be dealt with. Uh, and uh, Radcliffe makes mention here that uh, they would normally dangle an Inhuman in the situation, but they're not easy to come by. Dramatic pause. Until now, Radcliffe has uh, has. Uh, come by way of Terrigen Crystals, I think he said, Pete, to manufacture them himself. Passing reference there to his uh, his former patron. Hashtag RIP Squidward. They were pure Terrigen. He got them from someplace else. Radcliffe picked these up last year, you know, when he joined S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, and speaking of S.H.I.E.L.D., Matt, we whisk away to S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ where Fitz and an unnamed tech uh, have another tech walk in, which triggers an LMD detection, but she's not an LMD. They need to work a little bit more on the calibration, hardening the headquarters to doppelganger attack. Indeed, gotta rein it in. Hey, buddy, don't forget the Colson has a prosthetic hand. I will admit, Pete, in the first viewing of this episode, it appears Fitz is just carrying his uh, his laundry. Uh, we will learn in a little bit that there's a little bit more metal in that uh, in that garment bag. So I guess it's a bit fair that it uh, it got set off. Um, elsewhere, though, Pete, elsewhere in, in Shield HQ. Pete, things are getting steamy. Things are getting sweaty in that literally Mace is steamy and sweaty as he's uh, finishing a run and a health check. Pete, I don't want to suggest that uh, Dr. Gemma Simmons is anything less than professional. Uh, but Pete, she, she's a lady and he's a, he's a good-looking gentleman. I think there were a couple little glances there amidst her high quality of, uh, of medical care. It begs the question, though, Matt, if, if you know an attractive person, male or female, gender doesn't really matter, is, is dosing, is, is getting that out of a bottle, a syringe, does it compromise their attractiveness? I would argue yes. Uh, well, Pete, the, there is an old saying that cheaters never win, uh, then the Super Bowl happened, but... <laughs> uh, more to your point, 
we we have discussion here of that bio booster that he's been uh, receiving. It's made clear to us, Pete, it could be lethal the next time it gets used or not. It might be two times from now or not. It might even be three or four times from now. <laughs> Pete, it might be this episode, it might be next episode, it might be something to dramatically finish off what your pals of Fantastic Geek are tentatively projecting as the end of this middle pod, which would be uh, Tuesday uh, the 21st, so two episodes from the one we are podcasting now. Regardless, Pete, it could be lethal, and the next time could be the last time, unless it's this episode, then it's not the last time, but it's deadly. Hashtag Chekhov's Mace's lethal bio suit injection device. I can appreciate the upping of the ante and they're dealing with this gorilla in the room as far as the substances, uh, you know, concern. They they talk about how they had hoped to replicate this, but he's never going to be Captain America, you know, which surely has to let Coulson down. But the exponential nature of continuing to take the doses and how it's used in this episode, I think, is done very well when they're clearly seeding it for down the line because he didn't OD in this episode. We continue the story also in uh, in S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ with Daisy and Mace. Mace now has his shirt on, Pete. Uh, they're checking in with the Inhumans. Just want to make sure everything's on the up and up. Uh, Daisy, Pete, looking rather comfortable in the director's office. I think some people going from the, if you use this again, Mace, you will die. A uh, little thread there. And then now the idea that uh, Daisy looks okay running things. Wink, wink. Um Anyhow, director, or, or should we say current director Mace, uh, he'll have to keep Nadir at arm's length. Um, and then uh, Coulson calls in, too. He's got, uh, he's got some info about, about the lady in question, Pete. Agnes Kitsworth here, Matt, the uh, yet unnamed woman in Spain who bears a striking resemblance to Ada. But back to the point that you made about Daisy, it's amazing how long uh, a stretch of time when you think that this is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s 79th episode. Um, But at the same time, how short a span of time that is. And, you know, taking then Sky from outsider to agent to inhuman now to inhuman leader and somebody who can be in the director's office when this is a character in her comic book incarnation has led shield. Um, you've got to wonder if that's a box to check before agents of shields run is done. And I say that not as a harbinger of a cancellation or a a closing, if you will, Um, not a non-renewal, but you've got to wonder where their heads are as far as Daisy's narrative. If this is Coulson's show and he is the top banana, um, Chloe Bennett's Sky slash Daisy has become 
1A. Yeah, and I, I would even go so far as to say that this is Clark Gregg's show, but depending on where we're at in a particular storyline, we have seen Coulson fall to, I don't want to say the wayside, but we've seen the character of Coulson fall to the middle of the bunch, uh, particularly you know during this stretch where he was director, and it was a lot of him on comms saying, wait, what's going on? Oh no, fire up the jet so we can go rescue this one. It kind of was like, come on, you're not throwing Clark Gregg any good stuff here. Um, I think that most of the characters have gone through that where it's, you know, Fitz and, you know, Fitz has imagined Simmons, you know, that whole storyline to, you know, 10, 12 episodes later, Fitz is providing the gadgets for the next three episodes with very little impact on the story otherwise. Um, Nonetheless, I mean, you have to see where the overall arc of the series is headed and whether whether she's director at the end of this season and there's more or she's director at the end of this season and there's not more um, or she's director in a future season. It, it, you kind of get the sense that's where it's headed, particularly with all this emphasis on there must be an inhuman director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Well, Pete, uh, there's only one main cast member who plays an inhuman at this point. Yeah, and you look at, you know, particularly the last two episodes, um, but you could go back even a little further and this relationship that she has built with Mace, you know, prior to our knowledge that he was not actually inhuman. Um, and now in light of his situation, and him dealing with the physical aspects of this and her dealing logistically with moving assets around the globe to manage that end of it, which is a very big job that S.H.I.E.L.D. has been tasked with. Bottom line, though, back to the, the narrative of the show, back to Spain. Uh, Coulson approaches the, uh, the as-of-yet unnamed Agnes, if that's not a bit of a <laughs> cognitive dissonance there. Um, she doesn't want to talk about replicas. He's doing some double entendres here, of course, about the, uh, the building she's sketching and also replicas, you know, of the LMD variety. In fact, she's not going to talk at all. She gets up, is all set to leave. Mac kind of, I don't want to say corners her. He kind of, uh, catches her attention and, uh, then shows her a picture of the Ada bot. <gasps> Pete Radcliffe has actually done it. Yeah. Um, and it's a it's an interesting scene where we're getting her characterization. Um, I, I think I prefer Ada only because that's how we came to the character first. And it, it's a little, you know, we know Mallory Jensen is Australian and they're allowing her to speak with her, her native accent and everything there. And, you know, trying to catch up a lot in terms of the relationship that she had with Radcliffe that clearly didn't end well, didn't want to see him again before they uh, show her the picture of uh, Ada there. Um, it's at that point that we uh, see somebody heading through security and uh, notice here this is uh, Hatebeard with a bag soon into uh, Senator Nadir's office where she is strategizing and hey beard brings up the point here uh which the timing of it is odd and i think we need to talk about that matt um 
suddenly it's dawned on them uh, that she has the same blood as her brother who became an inhuman. And though she protests, she's not that alien filth. Uh, the superior maintains that everyone is um, who, who has that is carrying a part of the plague. And uh, yeah, the, the mist hits the Terrigen mist. Although the misdirect is she doesn't change. It's Hatebeard who forms a husk around himself. And it's a delicious moment as an actress, albeit uh, one with some finality by Parmen Anagra, who gets to to have the the villain, you know, mustache twirling. Ha ha ha. Look, it turned you into something before uh, she gets blown up. Well, a couple of thoughts. I'll go backwards there. A little sad to see that she didn't get a slightly bigger uh, kind of coda to her ending. Although Agreed. Of it's, it's a might unceremonious. I've got to wonder, you know, we've seen the brothers re inhumaned husk is the best I can give you. Uh, we've, we've also, um, you know, teased that, he'll be back. So who's to rule out some kind of flashback usage, um, to provide her with a little bit more, but yeah, for an actress of her caliber that, you know, ha 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 boom, uh, seems a little short sighted. As for the fact that it's dawned on Hatebeard and his group that, uh, they may be in league with the wrong kind of people. Pete in showtime, how long do you think it has been since, uh, let's say, um, the events at uh, the Nadir homestead and uh, the brother being killed? I would say at the very least a week, two weeks. So, Pete, what you're describing is that when times were good and it was the coalescing of power two or three weeks ago uh, <laughs> that – they were able to turn aside the basic fundamental racism that they had because they were grabbing for power. Um, but now that a little time has gone by, irony of ironies, the the isolationist and, and racist tendencies within Hatebeard and the Superior and, and this group, um, that is slowly starting to corrode their the infrastructure of their organization to a point that they're now uh, slowly falling in on themselves. To me, this is completely plausible uh, and a sign of only where things surely are headed on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Future listeners will have some interesting stuff to look back at. <laughs> Indeed. Um, and, and I'll just, as a way of, of de-unbackwardsizing uh, on this scene, it really is such a wonderful, delicious moment where... She is confronted with his own racism, which, of course, she has helped propagate as well, which she has shared. And then, you know, it's it's this this game of, you know, so who's the, the one with the dirty blood? Oh, it's not me. It's not you. And then, of course, this massive explosion uh, at one of the Senate office buildings. Um, <laughs> the, the Senate office buildings, which only a couple months ago I was standing outside of, I might add, in a trip to Washington, D.C. Um, certainly a bizarre moment, especially given, you know, security concerns in the world in general anyway. But quite the shot there, Pete, to end the act. 
Act two opens Matt with uh, details being scarce, but a TV reporter explaining that there's been an explosion. Wait, wait, Pete, are you telling me that the the expositional news network had breaking news? (laughs) First on the scene, first in exposition, uh, (laughs) explaining here that there has been an explosion uh, at Senator Nadir's office. Uh, Mace is wondering, uh, was this an inhuman Daisy, uh, claiming she knows where they all are. This is impossible. We, as the viewer, of course, thank you. Dramatic irony, no better, but suddenly Matt confirmation comes in Four have died, including, including Senator dear. And it almost felt like too much of a protest that, it, oh, it's her to be able to bring her back at some point. Uh, but there is our resolution as far as the current time frame is concerned. And this rousing, I mean, have it in capital letters, Pete, time to show the world what S.H.I.E.L.D. can do. Um, I mentioned that because I don't know that we quite hit that high of the world being shown what S.H.I.E.L.D. can do, uh, at least in the course of this episode. Perhaps they're setting up a future episode. I don't know, but Pete... Do you feel the warm air? Back to Spain we go. This is all a lot to process for for Agnes, this idea that she has a doppelganger. And uh, we have a lot to process, too, as she reveals that she has inoperable cancer uh, in a place in her brain that can't be operated upon. She's decided that she does not want help. She wants to live out her, her final time in a way that she chooses to and, and in a peaceful way. And um, certainly adding some dramatic heft there, Pete. I don't mean to laugh at the notion of, of a real person being so ill, but certainly it's a it's a it's a an efficient writerly way for us to go from I don't know about this woman to very sympathetic to her point of view. It is. I'm not quite sure in the overall scope of this episode's narrative if it was the best choice, but to explain at first that. Radcliffe couldn't deal with failure, that he ran really from her, and then the disclosure that it was because he couldn't fix her, this inoperable brain tumor. He he uh he struggled there. And uh she thanks Colson and Mac for ruining one of her few good days left. You know, not every day, especially that you're confronted with the fact that your ex has made a murder bot in your image. But uh, Coulson uh, tells her in no uncertain terms here that uh, she is going to help them. Back we go to Capitol Hill and S.H.I.E.L.D. is ready to investigate. The FBI isn't too happy. Uh, References made to, you know, having those jackets with your name on it. Our heroes walk past the camera and we see, Pete, that they have jackets with the name shield on it and um as the real pros get to start to investigate that is when it's time for mace to only help by being the pr face pete i don't know if this is the i, I don't know where the the american football metaphors started in this episode but uh, they started on the treadmill well <laughs> this is certainly another moment of ennui for mace who doesn't know where he fits in the fictional Foots's ball team. Yeah, here the mascot um, as we head back to Spain where Mac 
talks Colson down here. Um, to Agnes, Radcliffe is the demon here. Um, and Mac referencing, you know, the, the tragedy in his past with the daughter that we now know about. He knows about letting go uh, to someone he loves, but Coulson explains he's not giving up on May. He's going to make Agnes cooperate. Back to DC we go again. It's, it's, it's cross-Atlantic, Pete. Um, also, it's the same time of day, come to think of it. It's the middle of the day in both <laughs> España and the, the capital of the nation of America. Because, Pete, that's how the sun works. Back in D.C., Fitz can't find any bomb material. Simmons can't find any accelerant. It must be there, but there's nothing. Simmons suggests that they take a little of everything and test it. Uh, that's when Daisy comes in to say that some guy named Tucker Shockley, Pete, Long-time listeners will know that that's actually Major Hatebeard, that he was seen coming in, and maybe they can track Major Hatebeard over the security cameras and such to try and piece together what is going on. Yes, to finally get a name for this character, and to have the name, Matt, be of all names, Tucker, after the discussion with um, James, also known as the Inhuman whiplash that we've had a um, little bit more last season but has cropped up this season pete listen i refuse first of all to call him by his by his script name the fan name major john hatebeard <laughs> is what i'm going to continue to use hatebeard walks back to that secret warehouse you know the secret warehouse where the bad guys are he's just made it pete you can tell how desperate things are he's got no shoes on uh the superior is there puts him against the wall and chokes him out and pete this was almost uncomfortable to watch because i felt like the actor was legitimately being choked um but that choking continues until hate beard promises that he's going to take down those filthy inhumans he doesn't exactly remember how he got out and stuff like that but totally he's totally normal and totally you know uh human and uh he he's gonna get those filthy inhumans like that like that exploding the deer who's so bad to end All the act while lying to his superior here uh as a, a a test of loyalty um so he's he's going to take them down with him little do they know what's up Act three begins with Daisy leading the attack in uh, to the warehouse. The team is shooting. She quake blasts Hatebeard to a wall. Pete, never has it been so satisfying to see Hatebeard quake blasted into a wall. Yeah, and um, interesting. We know we have an inhuman uh, good guy. We have an inhuman adversary. Uh, not quite clear on what his powers are, but the discussion about explosives. Hey, guys, be real precise if you shoot. And what are we going to do in a, uh, a building that's housing explosives? We're going to use explosives to gain access to the explosives. Well, Pete, I wish I could come up with some sort of quip or something, but 
that that kind of does strike me as the move that the move that uh i don't know the people trying to protect security and i'm not even trying to be sly wink wink left side of the aisle right side of the aisle it kind of just seems like that's what they do they go in guns ablazing and let's try and be careful um to me it's in line with how with how how to to neutralize a potentially dangerous security situation but i'm with you that they don't know that there's a human bomb let alone there could be real bombs just laying a boot that could be shot at in no less explosive a situation that colson diffuses agnes anger here oh, by I see apologizing what you did, <laughs> i see i get that <laughs> Um, I understand that reference. Explaining that Radcliffe took something from him too in this uh, discussion of May means everything to him in a in a clip that was very widely circulated um, to promote this episode. He wishes there was another way, uh, but what has happened here? He explains for her how did he take her this imposter we still uh don't know uh where she is and uh agnes explains that this isn't the holden she's familiar with he was all about healing all about enhancing matt but colson tells her he's under the control of something dark hold and powerful uh, there's also in this scene and in a couple prior to it and a couple later on, for whatever reason, the show is playing the game of Colson really, really hopes that Melinda May, the second lead on the show and the second, perhaps even the most famous actor prior to S.H.I.E.L.D. starting, is still alive. Like, the audience doesn't buy that you killed May off screen and like killed may dead not killed may like star trek the next generation movies where they killed data but then there's data b or whatever he was called lore uh, that was would called? be the b4 but anyway. b4 where wink wink nudge nudge you killed off data but you can get brent spiner back for the next episode and the next movie if they do etc etc no one buys that may was just killed off off screen like a recurring baddie no offense to you know Parminder Nagra or some of the other characters that we've had um that just get the quick the quick death um it's it's weird in fact Pete I have a theory about this episode I have a theory that that they I have a theory that originally this was not an episode that they were going to do and then for whatever reason like ABC said hey we want seven instead of eight in the winter or whatever it might be I think that this episode grew out of that. I'm not saying that it's filler. And, and I'm going to admit something here, Pete. I, you know I don't watch the previews. I turned the button off. I turned the TV off a little, a, a split second too late, where they're uh, presumably next week continuing with something from last week, which is, Colson is the man at the center of everything. I kind of feel like this episode, knowing that that's the through line, I kind of feel like this was an episode where it's like, we need one more, so let's, Again, I don't want to suggest in any way that this is a filler episode because it's a perfectly fine episode. But I feel like it's oddly self-contained and fits into the narrative in a way where others are just 
And now the exciting conclusion of this, or now we finally get, you know, uh, everybody else figures out May is a robot or something like that. Uh, I had just wondered if that was kind of all in the mix. Because also, too, you have all the same, you have all the same characters and actors from the other episodes. There's kind of no new, no new in, no new out. So your thoughts on all of that, Pete? I'm not going to deny that some of that's going on and, and we know of the deepening return to Coulson as the central mystery of this show as it may be wrapping up, you know, uh, finally having this uh, admission with with May only for it to be maybe and real May doesn't know of his feelings and everything there. Um, we just don't know at this point. And they're, they're wise to, to check boxes because nothing's guaranteed, even with uh, what Marvel and, and ABC have done and the parent company and everything like that. But um, I don't get the sense that, that this was, was tacked on. Um, it's at a point like this where we've done that a couple times and coming back to uh, Zephyr 1, Sans, Coulson, and Mac, and uh, Mace, you know, still the, the face of being in charge here. He is the only one that uh, Hatebeard, the only freak he'll speak with that he explains to uh, Daisy before she quakes him uh, off of the noggin of the guy he's tied to and unconscious, which I thought was a, a nice move. Back to what I thought was maybe the sub, but they're not in the sub. So it's some some sort of naval base, Pete. It, it's you know maybe where the superior seamen all collect. I don't know. But back to that superior HQ. Radcliffe uh, gets an email. I mean, it's like a it's like a future MCU kind of email, but it's an email from Agnes. Um, it's not immediately clear to us, the audience. How about this way? It's not uh, it's not stated that it's Agnes. It's clear to us, the audience, that it's from her. Right. Um, I think there's the the lack of her being named. So Ada might give confused robot look. What is love? What is emotion? He's ready to drop in a heartbeat because, of course, everybody has supersonic things to get from D.C. area to Spain quickly. But I digress, Pete. They, they use the underwater tunnel that connects Alcatraz <laughs> Island. As our longtime listeners will know, there's a tunnel between Alcatraz Island and the mainland. Anyhow, uh, Ada is crushed because he's he's going to visit the other girl who... Who just look, looks just as pretty, Pete, but she's a little bit more real. Um, she's crushed because she's not unique, Pete. There are many copies. They do not all have a plan because this is Agnes and Ada is the copy, which means she's less unique. I thought the the device by which uh, Ada and Radcliffe learn of Agnes here was a little bit more real world. They referred to it as a subgroup, almost like it was a Reddit situation that she was using some kind of deep web situation to kind of tip him off. I like, too, the added characterization. We've definitely seen Ada grow as a character, both 
through Radcliffe and her own volition uh, that he has taught her to read cues. And now she can tell he's being evasive by dropping everything and heading to Agnes side um, from there to go to uh, Fitzsimmons working on the chemistry and Fitz asking Simmons if she found any selenium, which she did not. So suddenly forget Matt, some of the, the quick jumps have been, been made. Oh, there was no element here inhuman. Somebody went through, Terogenesis in that office that I felt was super uh, hand of the writer convenient. I disagree with that, but also in this scene, I saw another hand of the writer, uh, which was, "Hey, Terogenesis happened, but how did Shockley? Wait, Shockley is the is the Inhuman, so therefore, we're going to run to the other." part of the 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 base as opposed to radio in or make a phone call for dramatic purposes but those dramatic purposes are worth it a fight breaks out between mace and major hate beard and uh i had noticed all along while while they were in the bay here that um that there was the the uh, you know, uh, inhuman containment box, which of course can be shot out elevator style, Wonkavator style. Quickly, it's clear that the fight is uh, is headed toward that. Uh, Shockley gets thrown in the box. There's the quick eject. And Pete, great exterior uh, effects as the box comes most of the way out of the plane. Fantastic explosion. You have the blue sky, white clouds, black Zephyr 1, and then this really kind of red-orange uh, explosion with lots and lots of black in it uh, for for smoke and just a wonderful explosion. Uh, R.I.P. Shockley Hatebeard to end the act. Act four after the tremendous visual effects by Shield uh, effects maestro Mark Kolpak here. Uh, sure, we we know Hatebeard's dead, right? Everybody else okay? And uh, Simmons gives Fitz a hard time here. Don't do that. Don't try to help. You could have been blown to bits. And then Matt, because of course, uh, Hatebeard, Tucker Shockley has uh, disintegrated. We get this uh, shot of debris on the ground around which swirls coalesce and he reforms uh, into his... Uh, fleshy self and uh, indeed fleshy he's naked luckily it's uh, it's safe for tv thanks to the uh, leftover wreckage of flight 815 uh, back we go though to the shield jet to zephyr one and the science is spelled out he can reconstitute he's a suicide bomber who is undetectable and can't die he can vibrate his molecules because science, science, and then unvibrate them. Something Time about to... a sound. <laughs> yes, and, there was... and gaseous and liquid state was was as much as I got. And you're right, science, science. We need to get the science teacher from Stranger Things, aged X number of years later, <laughs> aged 
30 years later to appear on shield as science explainer guy but i digress pete it's time to get daisy to de-vibrate him she tries to explain in what i thought was a an adorable moment of the writer kind of saying you know because it's a comic book show she tries to explain how these vibrations are different than the other vibrations and then fitz and simmons just kind of look at her and she says all right i can try i'll i'll, I'll try and do it great time to check in with uh radcliffe and agnes uh he has called her uh, with Colson and Mac frantically trying to trace the call, begging her to stay on the line so that they can find where he is. He explains that uh, people are looking for him after he made some breakthroughs. Uh, she, of course, knows more, uh, but he points out now that he has attained the breakthrough that will allow him to save her. You can only imagine, Pete, what it's like for someone in Agnes's position where she appears to have to have come to terms with uh, the, the end of her of her mortal existence and to now be given this lifeline from Radcliffe. I think that uh, in an episode which is a normal shield offering of great fun and great, you know, great highs and great lows and, and uh, great excitement. I think it's incredibly honest what we are what we are going to see with Agnes willingly going back to the dastardly Radcliffe. I think it's going to be in line with somebody who has come to terms with their their you know the death is right around the corner. But if somebody offers you hope, you'll take it. Um, anyhow, back to the desert we go. Uh, Hate Beer gets a phone call. Uh, he's able to make a phone call from from random desert. Ho- motel that has a dining room um <laughs> he calls the superior pete he 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 outs himself as an inhuman but he still is of course a soldier and then for reasons that i'm not entirely clear about other than shield needs something big and on fire to find him with he blows up the motel yeah i think that's the 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 writer's gambit here let's let's get their attention um, after admitting to Ivanov what the real situation was. You know, um, I, then I withdraw my criticism. You're right, because reference is made later on to this is a trap for S.H.I.E.L.D. and uh, Hatebeard is the bait. So, of course, he's blowing up the motel he wants to be found. So I withdraw my snark. With a frack, Matt, uh, Daisy is frustrated with what she's trying to do to extinguish the flames or an explosion. Uh, but Mace comes in and uh, calls the scrimmage over uh, with those metaphors, Matt. Uh, Shockley has just blown up the motel uh, and they deploy. Agnes and Radcliffe remain on the line there. Um he thinks that he can cure death itself uh, before he pulls up in a car. Uh, Coulson uh, follows quickly um, and uh, there's discussion between Agnes and Radcliffe about the, the replacement with the android. But he comes to the idea of the framework that uh, Coulson's able to hear which is important in the final act that he has a subject currently in this framework who is thriving 
with that, she takes the earpiece out of her ear. She steps on it. There's some gunplay before she and Radcliffe speed away. And did Radcliffe panic? I think not. To end the act. As Act 5 begins here, we've got uh, Shockley on the dark road. Daisy, Fitz, and Simmons are in route as well. Um, and they uh, quickly go to the effect with uh, Quake where she explodes Mr. Shockley, who is then rapidly able to reconstitute himself. Uh, quipping all along here, if you wanted to get me naked, all you had to do was <laughs> quakes him again. The the way in which this is laid out is really, really nice because the first time he explodes and then reconstitutes, you know, he's center of the camera and the effects are fantastic. And the second time it's a little bit quicker and they kind of, they realize it's not just going to save the show money to stop showing the explosions. We kind of don't care. You can only see a guy explode and reconstitute so many times before it becomes rather passe. Um, and and all the more reason because as she is blowing him up, she's trying to weaken him. But now she is weakening because the bones, Pete. And we have, uh, we have Ivanov and his crew on their way. So... Uh, the stakes rising, certainly. That's when Pete, shocking reveal here. Director Mace, the Patriot, he powers up in his suit. Uh, what's his football metaphor for his place on the team? He's the blocker. But but Pete, it could kill him. Yeah, and I'm not going to deny they used the trope for the maximum effectiveness here. But I don't think I thought fully they'd kill him off without some opportunity to get with Coulson one more time. And in terms of the dynamic, the two of them have formed uh, in this middle part of the season. Well, maybe this is spoilery and maybe this is a little conversely, maybe it's just a little unfair, but seeing some of the pictures of um jason o'mara on instagram you know whether it was on the agents of shield feed or the clark greg feed or whatever it, and this is maybe like a month ago it struck me like oh he's still on the show like not that i'm eager for them to get rid of the mace character or to get rid of the actor um but i know he's recurring and i know what happens to recurring guest star males on agents of shield when they are in their 40s or 50s um, and I also know, you know, as, as most of us do, the amount of time these episodes are shot, you know, ahead of time and all that. So it, it just kind of struck me as, oh, he's, he's still, he's still doing episodes. Um, so Pete, undoubtedly Mace does not make it out of this season alive, but, um, I, I think you'll, you'll, you'll get that goodbye, Pete. You'll get it. Being the blocker, though he is, he runs at the truck here. He slows it down before he's surrounded. Ivanov and his thugs are still under the impression he is inhuman. They see that he is strong, but are you bulletproof? So they now have the inhuman director of S.H.I.E.L.D., Matthew. Well, Pete, to be fair, he does put up quite a fight. He hits one of them. <laughs> 
and that's it. And then then they cattle prod him to the ground. Uh, I guess in the part of the suit that's not insulated. Anyhow, um, back to elsewhere on the road where where uh, Daisy and Major John Hatebeard are still fighting. Pete, Daisy poofs him one more time. Fitzsimmons come along with their electric vacuum. It, it plays a little better on screen than I just described it. It's a nice moment. And Pete, it turns from green to red, so you know it's working just fine. Is he dead, or did they just collect him? Pete, I have one word to answer that question. And all y'all listening at home... This is a little bit of a deep cut, but I think that you'll know. You'll know it. The answer, Pete, is Gravitron. <laughs> um, you know, resolving it in such a way, at least in this episode, it, it's more of a function of time than anything else. But, uh, you know, as, as we mentioned before with Daisy, you know, she's got the fractures in the arms because she's doing this too much. Um, friends aren't coming to help. She's just another freak like me, she tells him. And uh, then to be bailed out by, by Fitz and Simmons in the truck there with the device. Um, we have Radcliffe and Agnes uh, wherever they are that uh, uh, Ada and May also are. So superior headquarters um, and overlooking the monitor of the brain there. They've got the headgear on Agnes trying to make her comfortable, um, get her ready for a better world. And they upload the memories. All this while Coulson is explaining that uh, Agnes made her choice, um, but the uh, subject of that earlier discussion that he rounds back to with Mac, that, um, you know, you heard him. He said he's got a subject in the framework who's thriving. It's May. She's alive. All while we get the, um, you know, idea that uh, we're not exactly done here with the Agnes Radcliffe Ada situation. In the tag scene, uh, we get a, a point of view, which is clearly Agnes in the framework. Pete, it's got those golden hues of a perfect fantasy. Uh, she's happy in her bliss and outside the framework uh, it's stated that Ada, uh, or pardon me, Ada states that Agnes can't be sustained and her vitals end, which to me was rather shocking. Uh, Radcliffe notes that the body gives up eventually, but her consciousness will live in the framework. Pete, I know Agnes had terminal cancer, um, and, and I don't mean to belie that or to belittle it, but I'm kind of wondering here if Radcliffe just euthanized someone and then called it, but her consciousness will live in the framework. Um, either discussion now or discussion in the level seven segment, but my creep out factor for Radcliffe went through the roof when this scene, uh, which concludes, I might add, with a, a long shot. May still has vitals. Uh, Radcliffe leaves. Ada takes Agnes's necklace, and then we get 
just to make sure it's really clear for everyone at home, we get a close-up of May, definitely still alive. And uh, on that happy note, we end the episode. The Dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys. Pete, first up, Radcliffe, who, uh, as I just said, the the creepy factor of him, the the manip- manipulation, the notion that he left his love, who was uh, who was dying, merely because he couldn't fix it, so he was going to run away from the problem. Love John Hanna. Love what he's brought to the show. Um, if anything, I like John Hanna even more now than when he first joined the show, but boy is Radcliffe bad, bad news. I'm going to counter that a little bit. I see it less creepy. I think you're leaving out the line from that tag where Ada said, there's nothing we can do to sustain her in this life before she flatlined. I'm not going to argue that, uh, the story does not preclude that her life was ended prematurely, but it's spelled out for us in this episode. She is terminal. It's inoperable. Um, And I see more of a romantic angle, uh, not redeemable, but uh, more sympathy from Radcliffe than we've seen from him of late. Well, I suppose it's a credit to all involved then that uh, that we see such complexity, slightly less complex, uh, but still quite the good, uh, quite the good baddie is Ivanov, the superior. And um, if nothing else, Pete, we saw in this episode how he really is the guy in charge and can inspire uh, kind of that that radical action out of his men. To see him leading a group at the end, and you know, finally getting the what he believes is the inhuman director and whatever his uh, plans will be with him there to get at Coulson, um, you know, brings a certain amount of gratification. He's been a, a, I think a difficult character to embrace because when we got him, we weren't quite sure he was the superior. And then there'd been this, dynamic between him and uh senator nadir which now seems to be gone and then you add in um this underling uh between them in uh hatebeard or tucker shockley as he's known (laughs) his given name um i like that they gave this actor and this character who's had such edge but has kind of been on the periphery indeed to my mind pete only first named in this episode yes. um I, I like that they kind of gave him his due gave him his his big moment um and it's a fun solution like you've created a guy who you can't kill um but you need his story time to end so um the notion of this, you know, electromagnetic vacuum device, it now removes him from the story. And also, uh, Gravitron jokes aside, if you need him to come back because the seal breaks or they break him out or whatever, fine. If this is the end of his character, that's that's fine too. It's uh, it's kind of an all all purpose solution for Major John Hatebeard. 
Speaking of endings, Matt, at least in the current story, uh, Wither, Senator Ellen Nadir. Yeah, as mentioned before, I would have liked to see a little bit of a bigger exit for the actress, if only because uh, we have a, a soft spot in our hearts for her from Alcatraz and, uh, of course, uh, other things, Bennett like Beckham. That said, you know, got to ER. serve the story, ER. Got to uh, got to serve the story, and the story here has her um, consumed literally and figuratively by the hate that she has espoused. So, uh, if nothing else, it is an ironic death. Welcome to level seven. Time to analyze and theorize. Matt Nadir certainly seems dead, but her brother name checked in this episode. What's going on there? You know, that inhuman blood and all, and the fact that we saw him at the bottom of what is perceived to be a watery grave return to uh, Terragenesis. <laughs> Pete, I think you just answered your own question. There's no way that they would have included that uh, without the intention to bring him back. However, does that possibly give the uh, the, the ability for the the late senator to come back from from life i guess i have two thoughts one is to have four people die in that scene in that office but two of them come back to life eventually might be a little cheap um and also to look a little bit behind the scenes we've seen plenty of uh, of of unexalted exits for characters in the past as also mentioned before um I think we have a better shot of seeing her brother return than her. We've established the framework. We have created a situation by the end of this episode where someone whose uh, corporeal body has uh, died, but her memories and her soul, for want of a more technical term, will live on in this computer-generated uh, situation. Matt, we have another character whose body is dying. Will Jeffrey Mace join the framework and become the hero he always wanted to be? Well, well I'm a little um, I'm a little uncomfortable with how free Radcliffe is with the framework. And I word it that way because I don't want to suggest that the show is, you know, being disrespectful to death or the notion of the soul or this sort of thing. Um, because I think they're playing in the fair boundaries of science fiction. However, they spelled out that, that a copy is made and then the computerized copy now is playing in the framework. Um, it's kind of akin to um, the prestige the Hugh Jackman, Christian Bale movie, uh, where, huge spoiler alert, so if you haven't seen it, skip ahead 15 seconds, but where it's revealed at the end that the trick was made possible by uh, the Hugh Jackman character through science fiction, uh, copying himself and one would die and one would live uh, in order to get the trick done. Okay, spoilers over. Point being, I look at... Uh, at um, Agnes's death in this episode as um, I, I look at it a bit more seriously than perhaps you do, Pete, and that's okay that we that we differ on that. But 
the idea that she's dying. Meanwhile, a copy of hers gets to play around in the fake internet, the fake framework. T- to me, is a little less authentic than we 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 downloaded your consciousness avatar style, and now you're going to live in the other body. So if they're going to do that with Mace, that's fine. But to me, that would just be a copy of Mace in a pretend world. Lastly, Matt, uh, as we brought up before, you develop a, a situation with Hatebeard's powers, and can I can I just say I I wanted his inhuman gift to be something with his beard. Uh, so did apparently Clark Gregg, uh, who, <laughs> who retweeted my tweet about that. Uh, and my phone uh, was slowing down as we were watching the episode. But um, have we seen the last of hate beard? And, and you brought up, uh, you know, that, that dangling uh, character from season one, of uh gravitron who we've we've seen uh mentioned as late as the end of season one but never gotten back to well this is where i have to play kind of monday morning showrunner here uh we know that there are two more episodes um minimum there are two more episodes in this middle pod uh surely no one orders more than 22 episodes of a, of a network drama anymore. If so we're that. dealing if that, yeah. Um, I, indeed, I would hope that they are going to go to a full 22. I could see financial arguments where they don't do that uh, for shield, but I digress. This is episode 13, right? Yeah. So we're going to at least episode 15 through the next two weeks. That leaves, by my math, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, that leaves seven episodes for the spring yep. pod, for pod C. Anything less than six, I think, would just feel too shoehorned in. Um, and my... throwing in there the possibility that the finale could be two hours. Mm. Uh, indeed. You could have seven episodes and it airs over six weeks. Um, to me, anything less than what that less than that seven episodes in six weeks, anything less than that is is unacceptable. Asterisk, maybe they skip a week because of this, that, the other, whatever it might be. Um, which I would, I personally would still count as six episodes in seven weeks if you need to do the two hour finale of you know, Real O'Neills or whatever else is on. Um, point being, we are coming to a close of the LMD pod. Could there be carryover? Sure. The Darkhold has been part of every episode this season. But I think that insofar as uh, Tucker Shockley, a.k.a. Major John Hatebeard, um, insofar as he's been a driver of the anti-inhuman stuff going on in the background as it relates to LMD, the LMD storyline, I think we're at that end. And I think that they've just saved him just in case so in the writer's room, he can can be used. I don't think it's so that he will be used. Transmissions. Let's check the wire, Matt. Got a couple of tweets here. First from our pal Mike Sorensen. That's at Warcry underscore 75. He says, watching Mallory Jansen playing both the pure confidence of Ada and the hopeful fear of Agnes, just an amazing talent. And Pete, I have to totally agree with Mike here. We've gotten so used to seeing Ada and that kind of 
you know, nuanced, emotionless Mr. Spock data robot person performance that I'm sure presents all these challenges to an actor um, that I kind of had forgotten, you know, there's a person in there too. And to see her playing Agnes with this different range of emotions really was eye-opening. If anything, as you mentioned before, you know, did, did they pad uh, this episode to, to deal with the, the Coulson at the center of everything uh, storyline that they're teasing out? If anything, Matt, this episode to me smacks of, well, we have Mallory Jensen and she keeps playing the robot, but let's let her play her. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Pete, another tweet from at person who writes, that's ML Huber, Hubber, um, and uh, she tweeted at us and, and one of those other Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcasts. I like to say we were the ones that uh, responded. Uh, she says, Mac, towards the end of the episode, Mac is like, oh, please, man, you're going to do something stupid and I'll have to clean up the mess. Pete, ain't that the way it is? You're, you're on a work trip with your boss. You're in Spain chasing the source of the, the robot ladies. And you know he's going to do something crazy. And you're just going to have to you're gonna have to clock in a little early to cover up. I will see that. And I will add to the mess. I mentioned in our Level 7 segment the potential that Mace winds up in the framework. I mentioned it to you last night, Matt. And this, this jogs my mind. Um that now that we know the sad backstory of uh, Mac, does he wind up being tempted into the framework to see his daughter? Part of what is so so tempting and so dangerous about these kind of, you know, the false reality option when you have a story is it can be it can be everything. And if it's everything, then in the story, it's nothing because nothing counts. So I'll be really interested to see where they where they go with all of this because it in my mind it's 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 dynamite story wise and dynamite can be used to clear a mountain and build a tunnel and dynamite can be used to blow you up as well. But Pete, speaking of things blowing up, patreon.com slash fantastic geek, that's where our most ardent fans are helping make the podcast go boom. Absolutely. Uh, get yourself over to patreon.com forward slash fantastic geek. We have all sorts of perks. If you'd like to get yourself a little something, you could, of course, donate any amount graciously as some of our patrons have chosen to do. Uh, everybody who gives something gets a little bit more than this thing we do that you get for free anyway. So uh, please check it out. And thank you again to all of our wonderful patrons. Remaining free, of course, Pete, is people interacting with you on Twitter. How can people do so? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 8,804 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast any way you want. We are Fantastic Geek. That's fantastic with the P-H. Find us on that name on the Instagram, the Twitter, fantasticgeek at gmail.com, fantasticgeek.com. But wait, Pete, there's more. 
facebook.com forward slash fantastic geek with the ph all one word like it today you'll be involved with not just agents of shield but that iron fist that punisher coming those defenders matt oh yes and the stars trek discoverers if it's geek we are there and pete we will be back next week for the next episode of agents of shield so until then i will say adios to all our listeners and give you pete the final word i don't know what you're doing here with that logo on but this is going to be bad for all of us